Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again this morning, for joining we us. we have a, a and huge challenge in front of us today's because meeting. we've been in, in the book of Jesus and we have made our way in the uh, last, um, what's it been, six weeks now, the third, fourth, last, yeah, uh, the last seven weeks, we've made our way through chapters one and two. And then today, we're going to make our way through chapter three. I'm not, you know, we're going to be ambitious today. We're just going to make our way right through it. And we're not doing it because going all the way through chapter 3 because it's not important. That's not, the, that's not the issue here. We're doing it because it speaks of something so powerful. And we thought on this morning, it was one of the greatest passages we could teach from. We're gathered here as one church. And, and it is for the reason to celebrate what God has been doing all summer long. He's been doing it in our midst. He's been, he's been doing it with our youth. He's been doing it with our children. He's been doing it with us as adults. He's been doing it with our families. He's been doing it with, uh, with us as a church. And we just wanted to celebrate a few of those things. So we wanted to come together. And if you remember, at the end of chapter 2, Paul really, really dives into the unity, unity that we have in Christ. That all of Ephesians talks about what happens when we are united in Christ. What changes in our lives, what changes in our community. What happens when we are united in our lives. And when we get through chapter 3, we're going to start looking at how do we live out this incredible blessing. Remember back to chapter 1, we've been given every spiritual blessing. We've been made heirs, right? We're we're adopted sons and daughters. Uh, We have been redeemed. We have been saved. We have been brought from dead to life. There is no more division in the body of Christ. Remember we ended last week by saying there is no more division in the body of Christ. All of our focus must be on the Savior and nothing else. It is on the Savior. All of these things that divide us must stop dividing us And instead, we must be a unified body of believers united in Christ and the truth of who he is. And that would be our our measure. That would be the uniting factor of all people. We have been saved by the grace and mercy and love of Jesus Christ. Enough. Let's go tell the world about that. And then Paul gets into chapter 4 telling us how it is that we're going to go about telling the world. How it is that we're going to go about living out these incredible blessings. How it is that a son or daughter of the living God would live their lives. And he's going to wrap up even in six and let us know the opposition that we're going to be faced with. To know the spiritual opposition that we're going to be faced with. And we'll dive into that. So if you will, I'm going to start reading in in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 1. And I'm going to share for a little while. Then Jason is going to come up and share a little bit more. And I'll come back up and wrap it up. And so this morning, let us get started in chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Hmm. So here Paul is proclaiming that he's a prisoner for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I have already written briefly, in reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. 
This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. It's almost as if he's going back and doing a a review. It's almost as if he's digressing in his thoughts, but he's not. He is about to pray for empowerment. He is reminding them of the great task that's ahead of us. He's reminding them again of the unity, but he's also encouraging them. Yes, I am a prisoner, a prisoner for Christ. No, I'm not a prisoner of the Jews. No, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. I am a prisoner of Christ Jesus. He says, if we go back, he says, the prisoner of Jesus, of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely if you had heard the administration of God's grace that was given to me, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation. You see, he is a prisoner, not just because he was proclaiming Christ, but he was a prisoner because he was proclaiming that Jew and Gentile could worship equally, that the, they were both heirs, that they were both received by God, that they had both become children of God, that the dogs were now allowed to worship the living God and had the same standing. And the Jews did not like that. It took them off their pedestal. It took them off their religious stature and made all equal before the Lord in Christ Jesus. That meant nobody could do enough good things to be better than somebody else. It meant that all people, no matter how you were born or the color of your skin or where you lived or whatever it was, were now equal before Christ. He brought equality to people before God. And how did he do it? Through his love, through his mercy, through his sacrifice. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God made out of two people one. And how did he do it? Through Christ. And so what was he in chains for? For that reason. That he was declaring there is no more separation. We are now unified. If Paul was willing to be in chains for the fact that we'd be unified in Christ, then why is the church still divided? If Paul was willing to abandon everything and surrender all and to be put to death for that sake, then why do we continue to divide and divide and divide the kingdom of heaven when the Lord united it in him? And that should be our point of focus. Paul was not only a prisoner because of the mystery, but he was a minister because of the mystery that was revealed. He was now his responsibility to go to the Gentiles, not only for the good news of salvation through Christ, but also the message that the Jews and the Gentiles are now one in Christ. The word we translate there, that it means administration, came from two words that would mean to manage a household or to manage something that was entrusted to you. Paul was entrusted with this message, and he was going to manage it well. He was going to bring it before person after person after person after person. How could he not? We use illustrations all the time. If you found a cure to cancer, you found a cure to the disease that was wiping out the world, would you not share it? Right? We use illustrations like that so often that we just kind of forget about it. Like, eh, whatever, whatever. He's going, no, you don't understand. This mystery that has now been revealed to us, we have to go share it. We have to go give it away. We cannot keep it to ourselves. It would be the wrong thing to do with it, but that is not why Christ has brought it together. So you will see this administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. 
the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. In reading this, that you'll be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. Not only did they not know exactly who the Messiah was going to be, they didn't have this complete understanding that he would come as the suffering servant and not the, the mighty warrior, but they did not know. It was kept a secret. Now, not a secret as in an evil, dark secret, but as a mystery that hadn't been unfolded yet to the people. The Jews didn't know that they were going to become one people. And as that was proclaimed, it was even proclaimed, we'll see in a second, it was proclaimed in Christ for the first time to even the angels, to even the spiritual principalities. It was proclaimed to the first time to all creation by the one who created all things, hold all things in his hand, and has the right time for all things. For it was the right time that through Christ everything would be revealed, that in him all would be brought to peace through Christ. We would no longer be at war with God. We would no longer have to be at war with one another. We could find peace through Jesus Christ. And there would be the resurrection of our souls through the work, the love, the grace, and the mercy of Jesus Christ. And for that reason, Paul was called to tell the world. For that reason, Paul was willing to be in chains for that call. For that reason, Paul could not stop and he could not shut up and he could not stop telling people for they were on the outside of the kingdom blessings when they could be on the inside. They were dead men and women walking when they could have been alive. And so he had to declare. Do we have to declare? Do we have to declare? Is that to call on our lives? That you have been blessed with such grace and such mercy. That you have been blessed with such love from the Father. That you have been forgiven and showered with grace and mercy. That you must declare regardless of the consequences. Verse 7. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. I want you to understand that as we come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit enters our life. And we are given power to do whatever it is he wants us to do. We are given power to proclaim this great mystery. We're given power to proclaim the grace and mercy of Christ. We are given power to do whatever it is, the next right step that God has for us. We are not a powerless people. The mystery not only gives believing Gentiles a new relationship, but it also reveals that there is a new power available to them. The power is illustrated in the life of Paul. God saved him by grace and gave him a stewardship a special ministry to the Gentiles. He saved each of us by grace and dwelled each of us with the Holy Spirit, giving each of us power to do what? Absolutely, to continue to bring unity to the body. Absolutely. Absolutely to proclaim the message of his great love. But how? Where? What would be the circumstances? He has chosen you for something unique. And he has empowered you for that unique time and that unique place and that unique sphere of influence. He has given it to you and he's given you the power to live that out. But God also gave power to Paul, the power to accomplish this ministry, as we just said. And the word for that, the, the word, the original word for that word that we translate power, it could also be translated as dynamic or dynamite. Think about that for a second. The power that exists within you can blow things up. I mean, it can blow things up. What hold? 
does the power of sin have on your friends and your family? The power that is within you can blow that up. What destitution holds your friends and your family? The power of the Holy Spirit that is within you can blow that up. What grip of this earth and of these days holds your friends and your family? The power that is within you can blow that up. Verse 8 and 9, although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery. This is important because sometimes we don't think that it's really us. Yeah, you've been giving us power. It's not really me, though. I'm not the right guy for that. There is available to us new riches, unsearchable riches in Christ. Paul calls them exceeding riches, but here he describes them as boundless riches. The words can also be translated untraceable riches. God, in his giving us his power, has given us these riches, these blessings, right? All of us. Paul even says that I am the least. I am the least of all these people, and yet he's given us this unsearchable riches of his grace. He's given us the unsearchable riches of his power. And even me, who's the least of all, he says at one time, sinners. He says, I'm the least of all the apostles, right? But he also says, I'm the least of all saints. I'm the least. And he's not being self-deprecating here. He's just simply saying, look, God even gave it to me. He even used a knucklehead like me. He used a guy that was going backwards and doing all sorts of crazy things. I was killing Christians. I was killing the ones that were trying to teach me about this. Literally, I was having them killed. And God still shared his great mystery, his great love, his incredible mercy showered me with power to live out this life and gave me all the riches of that mercy and grace that I would be able to go do that, even me. So the question I do is I point back to each one of us and I say, has he not given you all that you need to do what he's asking you to do, to live the life that he's asking you to live, to be the mouthpiece he's asking you to be, to be the administrator of the grace and the mercy of the mystery made known, has he not empowered us and given us every possible thing, grace, and the riches of his mercy to do just that? He has. But we tend to live as if we're powerless, as if we're spiritually poor. And we can no longer do that. But that is not why you've been saved. Verse 9 through 13 says, For the ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His tent was now that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers, the authorities, the heavenly realms, which I talked about a moment ago, according to his eternal purposes that he accomplished through Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through him, that we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings, which which are your glory. I ask, therefore, Don't be discouraged by my sufferings because it is for your glory. It's to the glory of God, but it is for your advantage that I suffer. What if we began to have that attitude? What if my suffering was for the advantage of somebody else knowing about Christ? What if my suffering or something that I lost would help somebody else know Christ? What if we began to have, what if if when I fall on my face because of somebody's attack or because of somebody's harm towards me or because somebody trying to keep my mouth shut or trying to stop a relationship 
What if my suffering was for their benefit? What if we began to live with this incredible power that was given to us, that it was just like Christ and just like Paul, who is not Christ by no stretch, but as a person just like you and I, and lived with this incredible passion and desire to take the message that was revealed, the mystery that was revealed, and said we have to take it because there are dead men and women walking, but they need to have life, and we have to take it. And so put me in prison. Shut me up. Take my jobs. Take my security out this earth. Take everything you want, that it might be for their glory that they would know Christ. What if? Because, church, here's the bottom line by this passage. We've been empowered. Because it's not a matter of, could God do that? We're going to experience that at the tail end of our time today. It's not a matter of, could God do that? He's just waiting for his people to say, Lord, I'm willing. Lord, I'm willing. There was a group of people that set out from this church, mostly students, who said, Lord, I'm willing. They boarded a plane and they headed to Haiti. And they said, Lord, I'm willing. Yeah, it was was an awesome time. And if you've been in church any amount of time, you have heard something called the Great Commission, the command to go and make all disciples. And I hope that as we talk about this particular aspect of it this morning, that that is just a great reminder to you that God has given you gifts to go out and to minister. And if that is the first time you've ever heard that, that it's not just the church as a whole who has a job, it's each one of us as individuals banding together and taking on that mission. I hope that fills you with excitement. It fills you with purpose. Uh, but there may be some of you that that fills you with uh, great fear and just anxiety of wondering, what, that, that job's been, been given to me? And I, I want to share with you first, as we go, we go because it glorifies God. That's the whole reason. There's, and this is all over Scripture. I'm going to share with you two verses. One's out of Luke. Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It glorifies God because first, it gives him pleasure. It makes God happy seeing the lost come to him through Christ. Secondly, Romans 5, 20-21, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It brings God glory because it gives him pleasure, but it also brings God glory because salvation displays the power of God. I can liken it only in this way. It'd be like a man bragging that, man, I can bench 250 pounds. That's all well and good. It's only impressive when he actually does it, right? We can read all day long about the power of God, but when we see a sinner Come to God through Jesus Christ. That is God's power on display. That is God uh, actually doing the bench press reps. And just as a weightlifter who can lift 250 pounds is impressive, someone who can lift 300 pounds is even more impressive. And every time we go out and see someone come to God through Jesus Christ, those person's sins are covered by God's grace, which means that many more sins have now been covered by the grace of God. And the more sinners that come to God through Jesus, the more sins that are covered, and the greater and greater God's grace is on display. And so as we do ministry, it glorifies God. And I share that because what I'm about to say, I want to put that in perspective, into context. Because yes, it glorifies God. Yes, it makes him look great. And that should be our desire. But like with many things with God, he is multifaceted, right? 
God has complex plans and was higher than we could ever imagine. We can't come up with the plans that God comes up with. And part of God's plan as we do ministry is not that we just go to glorify him, but that we would grow through that ministry. As I said before, each one of us has gifts. And it's all throughout Scripture. We have been given gifts. And when the Bible talks about grace, it can be, mean one of a couple of things. In that Romans verse I just shared with you, it talks about salvation, the free gift of salvation. Grace in general means a gift that is unearned, a gift that has not been merited by our, by our own works. It's been earned through the work of Jesus Christ. And so in that Romans verse, it's talking about salvation. But in many places in Scripture, in fact, I would say in most places, when Paul and the apostles use the word grace, they're talking about the gifts for ministry that we have received from God. You find it in Romans where we learn about serving, teaching, encouragement, mercy, giving, leading. Many of those things we're all called to do on a daily basis, but some of us have been gifted by God to show it in supernatural ways. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, it says that these gifts are to be used for the common good, for the building up and the unity of the church. In Ephesians, in the second chapter, we study that we are God's handiwork, that each one of us have been created in Jesus Christ as a new creation for the, for the good works that God has always planned for us to accomplish. And oftentimes, especially in the Protestant church, we are, we are accused of obsessing. Because Romans, 1 Corinthians, Ephesians, those are all Paul's epistles. Those are all letters written by the Apostle Paul. And we are oftentimes accused of just focusing to the point of ignoring the rest of Scripture, only the letters of Paul. But even Peter, in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, says this. Each of you, every Christian, every follower of Jesus Christ, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. And I want to share that because there may be some of you out there who, who hear this message, that you've been given gifts to serve, and your first thought is not me. I've been given nothing. I, I go and I do, my, I do my nine to five. I do my daily grind. And that's, what, that's basically what I can do. I don't have any ability to serve or minister within the church, especially to talk to somebody and convince them that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. That's just not who I am. But the fact of the matter is that's false. You have been given gifts for that very purpose. And I encourage you to, to see how God wants to use you and in ministry grow you to show you how he has redeemed a sinner, bought a sinner from the slavery of sin to be used as a child of God. In verse 14 of chapter 3 of Ephesians, for this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Another way to say that in Greek is that all fatherhood has been given to God. God is raising a family. And any of you who are raising families now know how crazy it is if you've got two, three, four, or any number of children. Even just one can be a handful, and yet God's got hundreds of millions and possibly billions of children that he is raising on a personal level. He is looking to grow each one of us in the ministry. He goes on to say, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He's looking to give you strength and to grow and we try to grow things all the time. I have, I have tomato plants in my house, and some people have a, a green thumb. Some people have a Midas touch. When it comes to plant, I have a reaper's touch. 
Anything I touch, it, it browns and dies very quickly. And uh, it's just not, it, that is not my gift. And so I am so thankful that God grows us in much more effective ways. But I say that to say when you're growing something, right? There, there are certain stages. When it comes to tomato plants and growing plants, we recognize there's a certain level of growth. And I want to share this with you right now. I'm not just talking to the adults when I say you've been given gifts. I'm talking to, I got, I got a nice little student section over here. I'm talking to you students. I'm talking to you children in the back of the tables. Even you, you've been given gifts by God for ministry. And while it may only look, it may only look like a small little bud of a plant right now, there is no timeline. There is no one who dictates how God grows your gift. If you simply offer it up to God, he will do tremendous things with it both in what you see the work being done, but also in how you view him. And that's what it comes down to. You don't doubt your gift because you doubt yourself. You doubt your gift because you doubt God. And I want to tell you, when you jump into the game of ministry, he will show you who he really is. That was a tremendous, I'm going to bring up one of the students who went on that trip with us to Haiti. Emily, come on up. Emily is one of our recently graduated, one of our recently graduated high school seniors. She'll be going down to Eckerd, down to Florida. In fact, you, you, it was kind of hard, the lighting in that whole video was a little difficult, but uh, you saw her up there. She was teaching. Emily, can you tell us how God grew in your view through that trip? Yeah, I would love to. Okay, so um, like most first uh, international mission trips, Haiti completely wrecked and changed my life because I saw God move unlike I have ever seen before. And um, he was in a place that seemingly has nothing, but in actuality, they have everything that they could ever need. They have God, just like we have God. And so um, prior to going to Haiti, I was a very doubtful person. I uh, doubted my actions and my talents, my ability to um, perform efficiently. Um, I would even doubt God's presence in my life, like a lot. But um, going to Haiti, um, and stripping me away of my uh, social media and my, my phone and uh, taking me out of my comfort zone, I, uh, I really got to see um, God move where um, there was no fog. I, I, would, I would try searching through this fog of um, distractions. And so um, all of my distractions were taken away in Haiti, obviously. And so there was this one instance where we were in the orphanage and... Man, I was with this 16-year-old girl, and we were listening to music, worship music, on my phone. And um, she turns to me and says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and points at my phone. And I was like, why do I know those lyrics? And then I realized, like, oh, 10,000 reasons, of course. That's, everyone knows that song. And so um, I find it on my phone, and then she stops me. She points her finger up at me, and she says, wait, wait a second. And she goes off, and not even a minute later, she's back with a journal in her hands. And so I began flipping through her journal, and there's a bunch of um, Haitian Creole worship songs in there. And so then she uh, turns the page and points me to um, this left side of the page. And in it was written um, the lyrics to 10,000 Reasons in English. And um, I was, so many questions were going through my head, like, how do you know these, how do you know these words in English? You live in Haiti. And so um, we pressed play, and surely enough, her and I began to sing in the same language, a worship song that is known universally. And um, come like two minutes into the song, everyone, everyone in the orphanage is singing along with us. And I remember looking um, over to me and seeing Nathan 
Francis, and we both had the exact same look on our face, and I didn't even realize this, but I was crying at the time. Um, <laughs> but we just had this look that said, man, like, God is so here. And God is here in the same way that he was there. He's moving in this church as he is in Sorcilla Grace East right at this moment, in the same way that he's moving in churches around the world. And knowing that the God that allowed me and this girl to overcome something as complex as a language barrier is going to help me overcome trials in my life. And he's going to help you guys overcome anything that happens in your life. And knowing that is the most reassuring thing. And so it's allowed me to let go of the reins on my life because I had a pretty firm grip on them. You know, I, I'm uncomfortable by the fact that um, I'm giving my life into the hands of another, but who else would I give it to than the God who created me, the God that is in control of my life? And so that's what I got out of that. So I hope you saw what happened, right? As, as we plan mission trips, as we plan programs, as we do all that, there's all kinds of logistics. There's all kinds of things we've got to, you know, unpack and, and, and plan out. But that's something that I, I could never plan. In fact, I don't go into a mission trip thinking I can plan all that. We just simply say, God, I'm, I'm willing. Here I am. Uh, we're going we're gonna to do our best. We're going to be responsible. We're going to do our due diligence and preparation. But ultimately, it's God. God coordinated that. God put that song on that young Haitian girl's heart to learn in English. God put it on Emily's heart to download it on her phone so that he knew at some point their paths were going to cross and they were going to share a moment of worship that was going to reveal to them just how big and great God is. And that's something that you don't experience until you get in the game. Uh, when I was in high school, I played, I played a few sports. I played soccer. I played baseball. Uh, I was on the basketball team, but I basically just stood on the court while everybody else played basketball around me. <laughs> But I played sports, and, and one of the things I played, my favorite was soccer. And, and the problem was I'm not a big guy. I'm not a really fast guy. And so I tried, you know, I tried being a striker, which is the guy who scores goals, but I couldn't kick it that hard or that accurately. And so then they moved me to midfield. I couldn't pass to save my life. They moved me to defense. And the problem is defenders in soccer are always so tall because they got to head the ball away. So I was just getting trampled all over the place. Guys who were six foot or taller than me, they're just heading the ball away. So one day in practice, my freshman year, my coach was like, you know what? This is what they do. Like in your little league baseball, if you get stuck in right field, yeah, that's not a good sign. Um, and so in soccer, it's, it's goalie. They're like, just, just put them in goal. And so they threw me as a goalie. And, and as we're playing, there's a guy who's probably from about, from about me to Nala. And also this dude just like cranks up and rifles this shot. And my hand just instantly jerks up and bats it away. Coach like, it's not bad. And as practice went on, suddenly he's seeing like, huh, this kid's got reflexes. And I'm just smacking balls away left and right. One rings off my face, and you hear him gasp, and also I get back up. He's like, okay, he could take some pain. That's a good sign. And so suddenly, I find myself playing goalie. And goalies typically are taller than me, but because of my reflexes and my quickness, I could play at my side. And here's the point of that. I never discover that if I sit on my backside playing FIFA all day on my PlayStation. I never, I never figure that out if I sit there and binge Netflix all day, which Netflix wasn't a thing in high school, but you get what I'm saying. You got to get in the game. And for some of us, that growth is recognizing how big God is and him showing us this is the gift. This is the grace I have given you. Now go with my power and use it. And the best news is you don't got to go to another country to do that. You don't have to go all the way to Haiti or Romania. I, I, as a missions guy, I totally recommend it. It's, it is unbelievable what God does in those fields. But you don't have to do that to discover that. 
Uh, I'm going to bring up Trevor Capoff. He is, uh, he is the son of our, of our children's director, Shelly Capoff. We took a group down to a camp called M-Feud, which is a camp where we serve. And Trevor, could you please share with us the biggest way you saw God impact your life through M-Fuge? Sure. So um, before M-Fuge, my life was centered around video games. So um, <laughs> uh, it was just like the basis of how I made all my decisions. And um, it got to the point where I would pretend to be asleep if I didn't want to go to church or I would pretend to be sick or something like that. Uh, I would even make, like, excuses, like, I went to church on Sunday, so I don't have to go to this, or I don't have to go to that. And so, going into uh, M-Fuge, uh, we had worship every day, but there was this one day uh, in particular where the camp pastor asked us to um, share something we had never shared before uh, in a group of friends. So, this led to a conversation with a couple of friends where... Um, uh, God showed me uh, true fellowship and the importance of the church in developing fellowship and uh, developing our relationship with God. And so since that point, uh, I've just been invested in the church, uh, wanted to help with VBS and um, help my mom in the children's ministry and uh, help just like go to Engage, which is the Bible thing downstairs. And um, just uh, just get invested into the church in any way that I can. So let me show you the rest of what Paul says in this part of this passage. It says in verse 17 that uh, I pray that of the glory riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know his love that surpasses all knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In that, I hope you heard what the power of that testimony was, was when he opened up and shared, and these guys were just sharing together things they had never shared before. And that's what real fellowship looks like. And here's the key. Not only do we go, not only do we grow, but we go and we grow together. Unity is such an important thing in Scripture. In fact, I would say when Paul and all the apostles are writing, you would see a common thread. They're always encouraged to unify. So oftentimes we, we, we lean on the fact that I have, oh, hey, my relationship with Jesus is a personal relationship. And that's true. It is a personal relationship. You know, Danny, the way he relates to you is different than the way he relates to me. He saved us both, but the fact is, his relationship with you is unique to you, and it's unique to me. You know, there's different sins. There's different ways that our sins bear fruit, and there's diff that means that there's just a different display of God's grace in each one of our lives. But the fact is, is that while it is a personal relationship, it is not a private relationship. It was never intended to be. It is never commanded to be. In fact, it is commanded to be the exact opposite. Not necessarily public, right? Not necessarily that you got to like bring it on display. Sometimes there are aspects. That's what Emily and Trevor just did. They brought their relationship with Jesus right here on stage and just shared it with everybody, a small part of it. But they shared their relationship and walk with Christ in a very public way. But as Trevor just shared, it may be just a handful of people that are encouraging, walking with you. We, we are accountable to one another as families, as brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. And this mission has always been meant to be carried out together. And I want you to see that there is an assumed posture in this. That we are rooted in love, right? And in John, this, John 15 parallels this passage so well. Verse 5, I'm just going to highlight that one verse. 
Christ shares, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And that's not exaggeration. Later on in that, it talks about being rooted in this love. Throughout that entire discourse, which is at the Last Supper, this is the last words, the last teaching Jesus is going to give his disciples before he goes to the cross. His emphasis over and over and over again, love one another. Be rooted in my love and love one another. By this, people will know that you are my disciples. And so that is my encouragement to you is today, as we go out and carry this mission together, to be rooted in the love of Christ, loving one another. And this combination of being rooted in the love of Christ, loving one another in this unity, and receiving of the, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to result in an overflowing knowledge of the love of Christ and empower you on that mission. We're a blessed church. We just are. We're a blessed church. Whether it's, whether it's Jason with, with our students and when he's up here teaching or it's Doug when he's up here teaching or the Bible studies that are being led or, or, or Joanne, the many Bible studies you lead throughout the week. The many Bible studies that you travel and lead. Or Jeff, the Bible studies that you lead after between 11 and o'clock service. Our, our, our Bible study teachers during the 10 o'clock service. The ones with our children. There are so many incredible teachers in this church who have grown in a greater depth of understanding of God's love, who have grown in a, in a greater understanding of this, of this mystery that's been made known, of a greater understanding of the grace and the mercy that's ours, of a greater understanding of the power that God has instilled us with, of a greater understanding of the gifts that we've been equipped with a greater understanding of how that's supposed to result in the living of our life, and as Jason just said, the loving of one another and others outside of the body of Christ. We're a blessed church. I'm a blessed man to be a part of this. That power, it's been described as untraceable, unexplorable, unsearchable, unfathomable, inexhaustible, incalculable, infinite. That means we never stop going after the depth of understanding God because we can't get to the end. We can't get to the end. There's never a day that we stop searching the scriptures. There's never a day that we stop gleaning and understanding. There's never a day that we think, well, I got this thing figured out because we don't. There's never a day. One of the freshest things that I saw last week in VBS was um, was Miss Kathy teaching our children. This is a, a woman in our church who is in the, in the, I don't know what you call it, the, the, the second semester of life, I guess you might call it, or the fourth quarter of life. I don't know what you call it. Right? I, don't, I don't know what you call it. But there she is, right? And she's sitting there every day with children, explaining the unsearchable truths, <laughs> explaining the inexhaustible knowledge, explaining the incredible power, explaining the grace, the love, and the mercy to children. 
And she's grabbing the depth of her knowledge and bringing it down so that a child can begin and continue their understanding and begin to learn how to dig for the depth of that understanding. It was an amazing time. But it took the church, it took the church to all give. It took everybody to step into the power that God gave them. It took everybody to step into the gifts that were given. It took everybody to step into the unsearchable knowledge that they have been mining over all these years to do, or better yet, to be a part of what God did last week. And we called it our VBS. There was 100 children here. There was over 100 people that served over a two-week span to make it happen. There was well over 60 people here serving every single day. There were over 20 middle schoolers here serving, although I think they were taking part in it a little bit, which I'm so thankful they were, serving. There were high schoolers serving. There were men, there were women there were people who took off work. I was able to talk to this one dad who was starting a brand new job. And he goes, yeah, I'm going to start next week because this week I want to be a VBS. And then on Thursday at about 945, all of heaven erupted. Because 56, 52 children said, yes, I want to follow Jesus. And now what happens? They made a decision based upon the depth of their understanding. They made a decision upon the, the faith. Remember we said that God brings up in us to say yes to him. They made a decision based upon that. And now what is our job? We pour into them, teaching them the depth, the height, the width, the power of God's love, that their lives would be absolutely transformed, their lives would be absolutely turned around, and they would begin to know, just like Emily, just like Trevor, what it means to walk with Jesus in the power of that great love. So church, beloved, as scripture calls you, we have our work cut out for us because it is our job to respond to the Savior and to go and declare that message. Shelly, tell us some more stories. So, hi church. So, our VBS was awesome. It really was. It was awesome because of everyone because of everyone that served that week. And it was awesome because God was here working for us. He was working as we went and picked up kids from different areas of Leesburg that otherwise wouldn't have been here. And each day, we added one or two more kids from those areas who heard about our VBS and wanted to come. And God knew that they were the ones that were supposed to be here. And so he worked to get them here. And we fed them, and they were so excited, and they came every day with smiles on their faces. They were a joy. God was working in our uh, team that we affectionately called our crew for the week. They grew in numbers also because our seniors and our middle schoolers went home and told their friends about how much fun they were having, sharing God's love with these kids 
And so each day, we had more volunteers come because they wanted to be a part of what God was doing here. So God grew those numbers as well. Among those kids and adults, too, I saw them um, step out in their faith and become leaders as they um, shared the same message with our kids. Like Tim said, um, I saw Kathy, Mrs. R, share God's word with those kids in our treasure room. And we called it that because God's word is our treasure. And I saw Kathy um, share that God's word in such a way that when I asked a couple of kids what their favorite part of the week out of everything, um, what their favorite part was, it was the treasure room. And when I asked him why, it was because he said it was because he learned so much about God. God was working in a little girl's heart on Thursday morning when I walked in here for worship for our main session, and I met her small group leader leading her out of the room. And I said, honey, what's the matter? And she couldn't even speak. So I asked her small group leader what was wrong, and she said she's sad because she doesn't want VBS to end. I was really nervous because it was while I was teaching, and I thought I, I, thought I scared her. And I'm like, oh, no, I made a little girl cry. I was, I was glad that that wasn't true. But like, like Tim said, um, the Thursday morning that um, in the middle of worship, um, 52 of our kids raised their hand because they had made the decision to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That was where God truly showed his power in how he was working in our kids' lives. And so I'm just super excited to see what he does with the rest of this year. And I'm really excited about next year's BBS. And we have the dates, by the way. Oh, yeah. So all we of do. you that got to put in for your vacation, I'm just telling you right now, that's the week. <laughs> like, that's the week you put in. I got to have this vacation. Put that back up there. I don't know if you can. But anyways, it is the uh, 14th, 14th through the... 14th through the 18th yeah, of July. that's when it is. 14th, 18th of July. Write that down. I'll be here. I know you will. Good. All right. Thanks, Michelle. <laughs> all right. We're going to wrap up this Sunday morning together before we go head out and have food the same way Paul wraps up his letter. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let me work my way back to that real quick. We exist for the glory of God. You live your life every moment, every breath for the glory of God. We are a church for the glory of God. We point to him, not to ourselves, for the glory of God. And it is for all generations. Paul's no longer here. Peter's no longer here. Luther and Edwards and Calvin, they're no longer here. And Moody and Spurgeon, they're no longer here. And Billy Graham is no longer here. This is our generation. This is our time. We have been made alive. 
we have been called to the great mystery of being unified in Christ. And we have been called to go declare that message to the next generation, and they will declare it to the next generation. It is ours to pass along because we have received power to do just that. Now, may we live in this manner. So I'm working my way back up to the top of this beginning uh, of this last passage. Now to him to his, who, is, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. We need to begin to ask. Jason couldn't have included that passage at a more poignant time or accurate moment. We do nothing without Christ that is of any worth. When we are unified with him, we are connected to the great power. That is him. It's not an ominous thing. It is him, to Jesus Christ, who wants to do the impossible through you. So ask it. Ask him to do that thing for his kingdom. Ask him to use you to glorify him. Ask him to use you to share the message of Christ. Ask him to use you to love others the way he has loved us. Ask him to make you the mouthpiece for this generation, the hand and the foot of Christ for this generation. And he will do immeasurably more than what you are asking. He will, which means this. We live expecting the impossible. That's what followers of Christ do. We live expecting the impossible. When we see the miracle, we're not, we're, hey, because that's what my Jesus does. When we see that happen, which we didn't really want to happen, but suddenly we are not without hope, and we are not without peace, and we are not lost. We, <laughs> that's, I don't know how it's happening, but it's my God who's giving me the power to make it through this day and to give him the glory. Because I live expecting the impossible because he has empowered me for that exact reason. So we are going to continue to embark on allowing God to do the impossible through us. Starting this weekend, we're going to collect backpacks. And you're like, that doesn't sound too impossible. I go to the store and I buy one. I know. I know. Which, ah, God gave you resources. He Gave you a way to buy a backpack, so go do it. Absolutely go do it. But here's what we want to have happen. We want to see him do the impossible through the backpack. So we are partnered with Tree of Life. And on the, uh, I believe it's the 25th. I don't have the date in front of me. I do. It's right here. Uh, it is uh, the 25th, August 25th. We're going to pass them out. And as we pass them out, we are going to share the gospel. As we pass them out, Tree of Life is going to continue to develop a stronger and stronger relationship. As they pass it out, we're going to see how we can get children connected with more and more of our children's ministry that we have here and even at other churches. That's the impossible. To watch somebody, to watch a child go from death to life, that's the impossible that we can't wait to see happen. So here's what we've told Tree of Life. Count on Leesburg Community Church for 200 backpacks. Count on us. And this year, bring them full or bring them empty. We put all sorts of... Uh, of how you can fill them up. You go on the website, there's first through third grade, third through fifth grade, middle school, high school. You can fill them or you can bring them empty, whatever it is. 
But I told Tree of Life, I said, hey, count on our church for 200 backpacks because we want to watch 200 kids get handed and 200 families get handed a backpack and we want to be there and, and help declare the gospel, the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, the unifying message of Jesus Christ, that they know that they have a place in the kingdom of heaven, that there is a room in the house of God, especially for them, where they become equal in Christ, united in Christ. And then in October, we're heading to Romania. And in October, we're heading to Romania. Romania, that is not correct. It's supposed to be October 27th through November 2nd. But now you can still clap, though. We're heading to Romania. It's a good thing. October 27th through November 2nd is when we're headed there. We're going to have a lot more information about what's going to happen. This would be a great time for you to go and say, hey, I want to get involved in missions. I want to know what's happening with other believers and Christians in the world. I want to know how the message is going out in other parts of the world. This would be a great trip for you to go on, and we'll talk a lot more about it. But it's going to be October 27th through November 2nd, and we'll continue to unpack it on the website and up here, okay? And then finally this. Remember, we unfolded this two weeks ago. We said in September that we are going to have our one service. We call this LCC United, but we're about to have our one service. And that is where we shared with you that God gave us this message to take into the world. So let's take it. And each of us has been given influence in somebody's life. And we said that Jesus shared that he would go after the one, the one even when they seemed incredibly far away. Even when they seemed they didn't want anything to do with the flock. Even when they seemed as if they could not be reached, there was the one. And all of us have that one in our lives. And we're going to create an amazing day. We're going to have stuff for kids. We're going to have food and food trucks. And we're going to have a giant party here. And that morning, we're going to gather in here and begin a series that will last four or five weeks, and it will begin to unpack our faith and unpack the truth of who God is, to unpack the truth of who Christ is for the different people in our life that we're going to invite. Over the next two months, we're going to ask God to do the impossible. We're going to expect that he's going to change lives, and we're going to expect that we get to be a part of that because we've each been empowered for just such a time as this. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for the way you give us your great plans. Thank you for the way you have revealed salvation and your love to us. Thank you for the way you pour out your love on a regular basis. You've empowered us. You've given to us. You've showered us. You've, you've given us a plan. You've pointed us in a direction. And you have surrounded us from now through eternity that we would never be without you. Fully equipped for all the good works you have for us to do. May we be bold and expect the impossible, for you want to do far more than our wildest imaginations would allow us to consider. So, Father, use this church.